Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another edition of B Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. Evening of Tuesday, June 21st, as we're breaking down a Cardinals win and the Cardinals getting back into a tie with the Milwaukee Brewers for first place in the National League Central. Welcome into the show. Cardinals got it done tonight in Milwaukee. Game two of a four-game series up north. Six to two, the Cardinals were winners. And we might as well call this episode the Jack Thanks Nolan G edition of B-Shape Daily because Jack Flaherty was fortunate to have some of the heat taken off of him by a fantastic evening had by the rookie second baseman Nolan Gorman who was just on fire offensively. Four for four game, four RBIs, a pair of home runs, multi-home run game for the kid. Really impressive stuff from Gorman. And that takes a little bit of the heat off of Flaherty tonight because Jack Flaherty was flat out not good and hard to watch at times with the way that he pitched. We'll get into a depiction of what we thought of his outing. It wasn't pleasant, but we'll see maybe where we can diagnose something and determine uh, what the next steps might be for Jack Flaherty moving forward because that's two in a row now that just haven't been very good from him. So we'll get into that a little bit, but we'll spend more time talking about the positives from the night, which was the Cardinals winner, first and foremost, offensively driven by Nolan Gorman, who's, you look at his season numbers, the kid's been pretty good since they called him up. And what do we think of his performance to date? And what can we expect from Nolan Gorman going forward as a catalyst for this offense? Really good stuff from him. Get into a little bit the Paul Goldschmidt situation. He was not in the lineup on Tuesday, and that's after being used as the DH only on Monday. So we'll talk a little bit about what's going on with him and then get into the bullpen conversation because after several days in a row of not using the big arms out of the Cardinals bullpen, they needed them all tonight. And in addition, they needed some other guys to step up some Zach Thompson magic into his new role as a more prominent left-hander out of the Cardinals bullpen. How he did really helped to propel the Cardinals in this ballgame. So let's start at the beginning. We're going to do the Jack Flaherty conversation first. We'll go from the the bad to the good and on a little bit more of a high note. So the biggest bad for the night was certainly the performance by Jack Flaherty. And there's really no reason to mince words here because I'm sure Flaherty would have said the same thing about his outing. I haven't seen much in the way of reporting or, or, or video from Bally or anything like that on Jack tonight. And you probably aren't going to because I can't imagine it was any better than the way he felt about his outing last Wednesday at Bush Stadium when he said, you know, it's bullshit talking about the way that he pitched after the game. He wasn't mincing words, so so we won't do that talking about his outing today either. But I just think with all the positives from this game, you're just probably not going to see a whole lot of Jack Flaherty. So let's go ahead and diagnose. Let's get into a little bit of what we thought of his outing. Listen, over the years when Jack Flaherty has been good, he's as good as anyone. 
We remember that stretch late 2019 when he just was mowing down the opposition. It was a Cy Young caliber performance for half the year. He was really, really good. That's the upside for Jack Flaherty. That's what he's trying to get back to. He hasn't pitched a lot the last couple of years because of injuries. Last year it was the oblique and then the shoulder. This year comes into the season, isn't ready for spring training again with the shoulder. And so he's working to get back to the place where he feels comfortable. Talked about having nerves, having some butterflies in that Pittsburgh start last week where he was not at his best. Tuesday in Milwaukee, another rough one. The command was not there. Ali Marmel said after the game that he was searching for his mechanics. Just the mechanics are off. You talk about more basic stuff. As a pitcher, you want to have your mechanics in sync. And Marmel said that Jack felt out of sync. And it was evident in the way that he was pitching. When things aren't going well for Jack, I, I dislike the tendency he has to do what I call nibbling. He nibbles around the zone and will throw pitches that have good movement on them. But it's like there's a magnetic force field around the strike zone that forces his pitches to be two inches off the plate in any given direction. And he gets into bad counts that way. And then when he does get ahead, he has a tendency sometimes to waste pitches, to just throw non-competitive pitches. I think that was the biggest issue I had with his night tonight, which let me go over the line score for those who are not familiar with what took place. Three innings, which matches what he did in his last outing. Even less efficient, though, this time. He, he got through three against the Pirates in 60 pitches. Tonight, 71 to get through three innings, and he threw more balls than strikes. Only 35 strikes to 36 balls. Gave up three hits. One of them was the two-run homer to Adamas in the first inning before he even recorded an out. And so that's not ideal, but that's relatively limited, right? One bad pitch that you give up a bomb on. Otherwise, a couple of base hits really would be no harm, no foul, except for the five walks that he gave up. Five walks in three innings. I mean, we all like Jack Flaherty. I like Jack Flaherty. I want to see Jack Flaherty do well. But in kind of critiquing his outings, we have to be fair to the standard that we set, I think, by discussing the other pitchers on the staff. If Dakota Hudson had a game like this, if Jordan Hicks had a game like this, what would we be saying? We'd be saying, that's not good enough. That's very poor efficiency. That's not going to last you can't be in the starting rotation and continue to pitch like that. Now, we know Jack Flaherty is going to be in the starting rotation. Two bad outings are not going to cool the Cardinals on what this guy potentially provides and certainly the upside that exists in his game. And so there's no controversy here. There's there's no thought being given unless he's not physically healthy, which, again, was not the indication after the game by Marmel. There's no indication that the Cardinals uh, would or should look to go in a different direction. Jack Flaherty's in the rotation. He's throwing every five days, period, the end. He's going to pitch on turn. He just has to find it at this point. And it's kind of like you decide how how bad you feel about this outing and, and how much are you worried about it moving forward. Well, I mean, if he finds his mechanics, I can't imagine he's going to walk five guys in three innings every time he pitches. That's 15 walks per nine. That's just outrageous. It's not sustainable, but I don't think it's what we should expect from Flaherty moving forward. But then the other question is, okay, how long are you willing to wait before you have to make some sort of decision? And my thing is, and I'll probably have this conversation again on Wednesday on the KTGR Big Show with my co-host Andy, who last time 
said, yeah, you know, Flaherty's got to show more or the Cardinals have got to kind of figure out what they're going to do about it. And I, I made a point to him to say, well, what are they supposed to do about it? He's Jack Flaherty. He's going to be in their rotation. It's not like there's even a decision to be made, but this just isn't working. And, you know, Ali Marmel said tonight that the team they've got is back. They, that there's questions. Obviously, there's questions about their decision to allow him to pitch when maybe it, it, he wasn't ready to return to the big leagues. Is that, I mean, I know that's what a lot of Cardinals fans are thinking. That's the question I think that we have to kind of discuss here. I don't know that I buy it, though, because you look in two rehab starts that he had, he was locked in and looked fantastic, gave up just one total hit in seven innings on much lower pitch counts than he was being allotted for his two outings in the big leagues so far. But he looks like a completely different pitcher right now. Walking guys, he walked a bunch of guys in his first game. Tonight, walked five guys in three innings. Now, it's kind of amazing that he didn't give up any other runs than just the original two off of that home run. And that's a positive to take away because it could have been far worse. And the Cardinals do end up winning this game. And that may not be the case if Jack ends up unraveling to the extent that he allows all these base runners and then he allows them to score. That would have been pretty bad. It didn't go that way. But he's got to be more efficient. But I think it's just a case of a switch is going to flip or it's not for Jack Flaherty because it's not like it's going to be some sort of gradual progression. Like, yeah, I think the attack mentality needs to always be there. He talks about the Mamba mentality. I don't know that you can attribute his issues tonight to not having the right mentality. I think it's a physical issue where he has just got to get the mind and the body on the same page. The mechanics were out of whack. And if that's the case... Well, of course he's going to walk a bunch of guys. It's just so strange that why the mechanics are out of whack now, and you can maybe make an argument that that was the case a little bit last Wednesday against Pittsburgh in his first start of the season, when that wasn't at all the case when he pitched twice in the minors. So what changed is maybe hard to figure out. I think there's there's a mental aspect to this for sure of just, okay, I know I've done this before. I've been on this stage before, but I, I haven't in a while, and I haven't when I felt physically right in some time. So now it gets back to, I'm not compensating for anything. I just got to go out there and pitch and do my thing and trust my instincts. But those instincts, I think, are a little bit rusty right now for Jack Flaherty. And so it's been an absolute struggle. And the Cardinals are, have they just got to hold their breath a little bit and hope that he's able to come back out next time and, and, and flip that switch. I think it is going to come at some point for him. But right now, it's just, it's hard to watch. It's a little bit difficult to watch. I don't think that's, a surprise to anybody or, or folks out there would disagree. We've talked about Dakota Hudson being a guy at times that when he's operating so slowly, I don't know a lot about the pace Jack had tonight. I, I didn't really notice anything in either direction about going too quickly, going too slowly, but sometimes Hudson is accused and, and rightfully so of just working so slowly, especially with runners on base that it, it kind of brings the game to a slog a little bit and, your fielders aren't engaged, and that's something that Ali Marmel has harped on. And so if we're going to be fair to Dakota Hudson, to be fair to Jordan Hicks, who's been harped on throughout the season, we got to at least admit that Jack Flaherty is doing a lot of those same things tonight and, and arguably worse than we've ever seen it from any of those other guys this season. Five walks and three innings isn't going to be a recipe that works for Flaherty moving forward. The good news is he knows that, and he's going to work to get better. He's got to. Uh, I, I think it's just a matter of, the mind and the body being on the same page. And once that happens, you're not going to have those problems. And then it'll just be minor nitpicks with Jack Flaherty where you say, yeah, don't nibble, attack the strike zone. Don't have so many non-competitive pitches. It's a chicken or the egg question, but I think it's going to all sort sort of start to line up for him 
when he's able to to get on the mound and say, yep, I'm in sync right now and I feel the way I'm supposed to feel. Again, Marmol said it wasn't a physical issue. He felt fine physically, but uh, clearly there's a disconnect going on there between the mind and the body that Jack's just going to have to hone in. I, was it the best idea to work him up on pitch count while at the major league level? Maybe not, but I can't go back and say, you know, they shouldn't have done it because, sure, hindsight is twenty twenty. but I was saying at the time, 60 pitches of Jack Flaherty, 70 pitches of Jack Flaherty, better at the St. Louis level than at Memphis. You don't need that for Memphis. And if he's sharp, which he did look sharp at the time, you might as well allow him to ramp up at the big league level. Maybe, though, that's been sort of a mental blockade for him that has not allowed him to reach his full potential. So we'll see what it looks like. Cardinals are in his corner. Five days from now, I think we'll see him again, and hopefully we see him more sharp than he was in either of the first two outings. But fortunately for Jack Flaherty, you had Zach Thompson come in and then a whole parade of relievers behind him. But Thompson's the one that, and we'll give a little credit to Drew Verhagen as well, who got a big out to end the fifth inning. But Zach Thompson pitching the fourth and two outs in the fifth, an inning of two-thirds, just one walk, didn't allow any other base runners, no hits allowed, two strikeouts for a guy who had just been announced as he's going to be that new TJ McFarland role in games that were close in and the Cardinals were tied tonight, but they had to find a way to get more innings until they could get to the back end of the bullpen in the Gallegos' and the Helsleys. They didn't use Cabrera tonight, but they did yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. Nevertheless, he's been used recently. We haven't seen Gio or Helsley in quite some time. And so for that reason, both those guys had quite a workload tonight. But to get even to the point where you could bring those guys in, you had to have what you got from Zach Thompson, and you did. And you had to have a little help from Verhagen, get out of the jam. Good for him to be able to do that. Just the one out. But then good for Ollie Marmel to say, look, these guys are arrested, ready to go. Let's go two innings of Geo. Let's go two innings of Helsley. And let's get out of here with a win. Cardinals were able to do that. But the main reason they were able to do that. Like, let's give credit to the relievers. And Geo and Helsley, they, they both did their job. One combined base runner in four innings. Those guys were nails. Fantastic job by both of them. Let's give some credit, though, to the offense and what Nolan Gorman in particular was able to do tonight. Four for four, two home runs, four RBIs, four of the six that the Cardinals accrued in a 6-2 to two win. He's hitting 280 now on the season for St. Louis, six homers, and he's up to an 866 OPS. That is going to play. If Nolan Gorman stays at that mark, he is a middle-of-the-order bat. Maybe not against lefties. They're going to probably still have him more as a, a heavy side of a platoon player where he's going to fo- mostly be facing right-handed pitching. But this was a perfect opportunity for him to go off. A good opportunity for the Cardinals offense in general to go off. Chichi Gonzalez was called in last minute because of the injury to Aaron Ashby, who was originally the left-handed pitcher supposed to pitch today. So instead of not even being in the lineup, which would have been the case for Nolan Gorman, if you show up to the ballpark and Aaron Ashby is on the other side because he's a lefty. Instead of that being the case, he ends up getting to play a full game in second base. Four for four, a career day for Gorman. Really good to see him have some success the way that he is. He's a power threat, folks. He just is. And and I know the strikeouts are there. I know that's going to be a part of his game that he may never completely evolve from. And maybe he'll never turn into the guy that matches left-handed, hitter, uh, left-handed pitching, pardon me. But this guy's good enough to really help you. 93 at-bats, six homers. That's a pretty good pace. You multiply that by four and a half or so, 
you, you've got a guy who's a 30 home run threat with a, a 90 RBI threat. And that's just as, as a rookie. I mean, you multiply him out to the rest of the season, stat him out. He's a rookie of the year candidate right up there along with Brendan Donovan, the way those guys are hitting. By the way, Donnie, two for four, BFD as I call him. Two for four, two runs scored tonight, on base three times because he walked as well. OPS of 855, he's hitting 318, and he just continues to get on base. All the guy does is get on base. He's really a perfect number two hitter in the batting order. You couldn't really ask for much more than you're getting right now out of Brendan Donovan. Just keep it up. I just want to see him have that mentality, have that approach at the plate because his on-base percentage is absolutely preposterous at 425. I mean, that seems downright impossible to sustain, but even an on-base of 400, of 375, and you're going to be talking about a significant contributor offensively. So I love that they've not been shy about putting the rookie into the situations that he's been in. Batting second in the lineup today has been there uh, quite often over the last week or so. Really good to see that. Arenado's starting to heat up a little bit too, folks. Two for four, run scored, had an RBI tonight. Batting average is 274, OPS 837. He's got room to grow for sure, but he had a, a big double in the first inning tonight that allowed the Cardinals to get that rally going, get on the board. It was 2 nothing after the top of the first. That was when Adamas hit the homer 2-2. Again, we've talked about Flaherty's struggles. Fourth inning, seventh inning, eighth inning Cardinals tack on more runs. Just a really solid outing by the offense. Y- yeah, you don't love it when you're carried by one guy, but if that's Nolan Gorman, you're, you know, it's fan base could celebrate that. Could celebrate a really good night by Gorman uh, and, and probably many more of those to come. So good to see the four-hit night. Good to see the multi-home run game. He's checking little tick marks off of his box as he gets integrated into the big leagues. This guy's going to be here. He's not going anywhere. Again, that 866 OPS, you think about how we judge a performance. It's higher than Arenado's this season, higher than Brandon Donovan's. And the Cardinals had to have other guys step up tonight because one of the more negative things we got to get into, which may not be that big of a deal at all, but we do have to get into it before we get out of here tonight. Paul Goldschmidt not in the lineup on Tuesday. And on Monday, he was originally listed as the first baseman in the Cardinals lineup and ended up getting downgraded to the DH. Original lineup comes out. He's going to play first. Ends up actually being the DH. Yepes plays first on Monday. No huge deal, but that was something I kind of had my eye on because typically they wouldn't do that on accident. And I guess the Cardinals claimed it was a typo. Derek Gould, I saw, tweeted something out insinuating that they had said it was a typo. I never found originally where that was reported. But come on, it's not a typo. We're not dumb. Especially the next day when Nolan Gorman, or pardon me, when Paul Goldschmidt is not even in the lineup. That's not a day after he DHs, he's going to be in the lineup. Very rarely would they do that with him and give him that kind of time off, which is not that that it's a bunch of time off, but you wouldn't see him DH one day and then be out the next day unless he was dealing with a little bit of something. My initial thought was, I bet it's the back. I bet that's flaring up on him because he has dealt with back trouble on and off throughout his career. And sure enough, it was later reported that that is something he's dealing with. A little bit of back tightness, but nothing serious. It's just precautionary. I'll be the judge of that based on whether or not he's in the lineup on Wednesday. If he's not playing Wednesday, you can go ahead and raise the raise the alarms a little bit. I said it was DEFCON 3 already. Like, I'm, I'm ready to be mobilized. We found that out on the KTGR Big Show on Tuesday. The bad DEFCON is DEFCON 1. I don't think I'll forget that. It's once and for all. DEFCON 1 is the one you don't want to be in. But I'd say DEFCON 3 on Paul Goldsmith injury situation, and if it 
if he's not in the lineup tomorrow, it'll be up to DEFCON 2 for sure. Because that'll be a sign of, I mean, that'd be three days in a row where he was potentially compromised. It, he didn't do anything either offensively in yesterday's game, which nobody did. It was Corbin Burns, but that's another little element that you want to pay attention to is that, yes, they, they felt he was good enough to play, but he was 0 for 4 with two strikeouts yesterday. Not very Goldschmidtian, not with the kind of run that he's been on. And then the fact that he wasn't in the lineup today, just something to monitor, just something to keep in mind. But all in all, I think pretty good news for the Cardinals being able to get the win over the division rival, over the team that you know you're going to be going back and forth with all season long when it comes to the NL Central standings. Cardinals and Brewers back to a tie atop the division, 39 wins, 31 losses apiece. Cardinals now, even in this four-game series, I said coming in, the minimum, you really want to split this thing. You don't want to lose it. You, you can't get swept. That would be a disaster. And when they lose the Michaelis game, game one, I know it was also the Burns game, but Michaels has been your guy this year. So you're behind the eight ball a little bit once you lose that game. Offense couldn't do anything. But then you find out you get to face a human named Chi-Chi Gonzalez. All right, game on. This is a game you got to win. And there's no must-wins in June in, in baseball. Season's too long to, to really earnestly use that kind of language. But that's a game you got to win against your division rival, against the team that's in first place. Cardinals successfully did that. Now you look at how the rest of the series shakes out. Wednesday night, Wayne Wright against Eric Lauer. That's a lefty. I don't think you'll see Gorman, but again, a guy that just had such a great day, you don't want to get him out of the lineup, but I think it'll be a case where he'll probably be on the bench, and then when they can get Lauer out of the game, you'll see Gorman begin to pinch hit for the DH and play the rest of the game or or pinch hit for whomever and end up at second base, play the rest of the game, however they want to maybe approach that. You could see a little bit of a switch with Yepes. Yepes can hit righties as well, but maybe that's something that they do move Brendan Donovan around. They've got the flexibility to do that. I just would like to see Gorman eventually in the lineup against the lefty, but I just don't think it's something they're looking to do with any sort of frequency right now with him as a rookie. Eventually, though, you got to figure he's got to face him or else he's never going to be able to have success against him. But that's, that's maybe a problem for another day, the way the Cardinals are viewing it, especially in modern baseball when – Everything is so uh, platoon-oriented, and, and the matchups are so important with the analytics. I, I guess that's just something that they're comfortable with. But that is a lefty, Eric Lauer, the last time the Cardinals faced him, he had several walks that the Cardinals didn't really take advantage of. I remember that being the case. And so if he gives you the free bases, go ahead and take him, but you got to find a way to drive in your friends when that ends up happening. Wainwright needs a good start, too, tomorrow. Last one, what was he, six and two-thirds, four runs, not a good seventh inning. Probably could have cut it shorter than that. But again, he's always trying to pitch deeper into games. Not a great one by Wainwright last time out. You want to see him be able to get deep into this game, especially considering, by the way, bullpen could be interesting tomorrow for the first time. I think it was going to be the case regardless that after so many days off for Gallegos and Helsley, they weren't going to go on a back-to-back. And so I think that's why people are asking on Twitter, well, why are they doing this? Why do they leave these guys on the bench for so long? They don't get them into games when they, they could have and then they have them both go two innings. Well, for one, you needed the darn win. And if those guys don't go those two innings, I don't know who you trust to finish the game out. Even with a four-run lead in the ninth when it wasn't a safe situation, I do not agree at all. Don't don't tell me one out of one side of your mouth that you, you want to see Ryan Hillsley down two, but then you don't want to see him just go ahead and pitch a second inning when he probably can't go tomorrow anyway up four when the guys behind him in the bullpen, I mean, you just can't afford to lose that game. And so... They were aggressive. Once you had him in there, 
Gio goes to, Helsley goes to, you win the game. That's perfectly fine. But what that does mean is on Wednesday, you you can probably expect the team to lean on Adam Wainwright to say, hey, we need you to go deep. We need seven from you. You could throw Cabrera tomorrow for two innings if you want to go that route, but I don't think you'll see Gio or Helsley after both of them just went two innings. That feels unlikely to me. And so maybe that's a game where they move Oviedo again up the pecking order and say, hey, we're tied late or we're up by a run in the seventh and we, you know, Wainwright's pitch count is high. We need Oviedo here. He's the righty that we're going to go to. So that's the way this works. There's a trickle-down effect when you use your big relievers for multiple innings and then you say, who's going to be the one to to bear the load the next day? Obviously, over the weekend in Boston, Cardinals didn't have these situations where it was close enough for that to matter. They didn't have any one-run leads. They didn't have any two-run leads. They didn't have any tie games late. They had close games that they were trailing in and then a blowout win where you didn't need any leverage relievers. And so when that happens, you just kind of throw your hands up and say, I mean, that's just the the flow of the series. This series is going much differently. You had a close loss on Monday, and then Tuesday you had the exact situation of a close lead, late and close, and you needed your leverage guys. And because of the way the previous games had unfolded, Ollie was not taking any chances. He used his big guns, and he used them for four total innings after the short start by Jack Flaherty. Wainwright needs to give you innings, and then you're still going to have to to maybe dig deep into your bullpen and say these are the guys that have got to learn to get the job done if the Cardinals are going to be division champ caliber team this year. So we'll see what the Cardinals are able to come up with on Wednesday, and then Thursday afternoon will be the getaway day game before the Cardinals return home to face the Cubs over the weekend. I'll be at that game on Friday that kicks off that series. But Dakota Hudson will be on the mound against Jason Alexander. Not that Jason Alexander, but the uh, the one that pitches for the Brewers. Not Costanza, but the other one. And so that's another advantage, I think, for the Cardinals from a pitching perspective. Dakota Hudson's had a pretty good year, obviously more experienced than Alexander, who's, I think, 29 years old and hasn't really pitched a whole lot in the major leagues this season. Cardinals can take advantage of that, maybe the way that they did G.G. Gonzalez on Tuesday. Minimum still has to be, I think, to split this series. Otherwise, you're obviously going to go into Chicago's series, uh, which is at home, by the way, not go into Chicago. But you go into that series against the Cubs down by two games in the division if you drop this series at this point. So at least get one of the next two, and I think good chance to get both of them, honestly, if the offense does its job. Because with Wainwright and Hudson, I think you've got two advantage, uh, advantageous, I should say, pitching matchups over the next couple of days. I know that Eric Lauer, Cardinals had a little trouble with him. But he's a lefty. Team usually hits lefties pretty well. They let him off the hook the last time. Try not to do it this time, and we'll see what the Cardinals can't come up with on Wednesday. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and and rate us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so. Got about 25 reviews so far. Pretty good rating. I like that. But uh, get the reviews up. Would love it if you would review the podcast. Let me know what you like and don't like as well. I always want to try to make it better for you guys give you the best Cardinals content that I can. So make sure you subscribe if you haven't done so already. Send me a DM on Twitter at bshafer12 if you'd like to chat about anything Cardinals related. My DMs are always open for you guys. And uh, subscribe to Brendan Schaefer's YouTube channel as well because I'm going to get that rolling here in the future. Maybe do some giveaways as well from that channel moving forward. So appreciate you guys as always. And we'll talk to you next time on Shafe Daily. Peace.